0: If you have your Bibles this morning with you, we are still journeying through the Gospel of Luke. We are in Luke chapter number 13, so we are investigating uh, the life of Jesus there. Last week, if you remember, uh, if you were with us, we uh, were on the Sabbath day in the synagogue with Jesus as He was teaching, and He healed a woman there. We, we are still in that scene Uh, From last week, we've left Jesus there in the synagogue, and we're coming back to where He was. He healed a lady uh, who had a uh, disabling spirit and had been physically and spiritually tormented for 18 years of her her life, and uh, Jesus freed her from that, healed her physically, healed her spiritually, and what a wonderful miracle that was, yet Unfortunately, the ruler of the synagogue and the men who were uh, with him there um, became indignant. They, they became so angry, so infuriated, not only that Jesus had, had healed the woman. I don't think they were upset necessarily about that, but that he did it on the Sabbath. He healed her on their holy day. And so we, we saw last week that they got so angry, so upset, and Jesus made the point and addressed these men and their lack of empathy and their adherence to their legalistic rules and he comfort, uh, confronted them and points out to them and to us the heart of ministry. And I want you to understand and want you to know, as we talked about last week, and I want to reiterate this today, ministry is not necessarily about rules. There has to be order, but rules do not trump everything. What does is that we are to minister to people. People are in need. People need to experience God's grace. People need to experience God's love. They need to experience the salvation that God gives, and we are to... Uh, even if you will go past the rules of the church, if you will, to get the Word of God to them. Not sin, but sometimes, and what we've seen here, man establishes rules, establishes laws, they even called them there, that hindered them from doing the work that Jesus wanted. So Jesus is still in the synagogue, and he has one other statement that he wants to make to this ruler of the synagogue, and to those that are there, he wants to give two little small parables, two little stories to make a point uh, to them that are so very important for us. But, But before we get to his parables, let me ask you this question. What would you do for God if you knew you could not fail? What would you do for God if you knew that what you did would succeed, if what you did could not fail? Would you invite more people to church? Would you pray more for the spiritual needs or the physical needs of people? Would you possibly give more financially to the church's ministry? Would you study the Word of God more so that you were able to defend God's Word? Would you maybe step up and teach or even preach the Word of God? Would you witness to your friends more? What would you do for God if you were 100% sure that you couldn't mess it up, that you couldn't make a mistake in this, that you couldn't do wrong? Well, Jesus speaking to the ruler of the synagogue and the men that were there, the crowd that was present, and even to us today, shares two Short parables, and these parables are about the kingdom of God and the power and a powerful truth that we today need to hold on to, and we must understand today. You see, Jesus spent all of this time, we went through chapter 11, chapter 12, he laid out what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ, how we are to live our lives, how we are to live for God, what we are supposed to do. And he's really coming down to the end of this, and he showed us what the heart of ministry was in the synagogue situation. And now what he's laying out for us is really the reward, if you will, Or the end of this thing in these parables, something that we need to fully understand and fully need to grasp that will empower us to do more for God than we've ever done before. And so in verse number 18 of our text, Jesus says these words, and he said, therefore, he asked this question, what is the kingdom of God like? Now, Let's pause there because we may not understand what he's talking about with the kingdom of God. What's a kingdom? A kingdom is a territory that's ruled by a king. And we know that Jesus is now king of kings and lord of lords after his resurrection. And so we understand him talking about the fact that he's established his kingdom. His kingdom is heaven for us in eternity. And so what is that going to look like? How does that play out here and how does that end in heaven as we wind up there because we have a relationship through Jesus Christ. So he goes, what is the kingdom of heaven like? And to what shall I compare it? It is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his garden and it grew and became a great tree and the birds of the air made nests in his branches. So I don't know, it's very interesting as we read this, maybe Jesus was walking, he was still in the synagogue, still in the area of teaching and and maybe he, he was looking around and said, well, what is the kingdom of God like? And he kind of finds a mustard seed. I don't know if, if he had that or not, but Jesus always liked to take earthly things to show heavenly truth. And so he goes, a mustard seed. If you don't know what a mustard seed is, many of us do, but it is the smallest seed that, that we have. I mean, it, it can sit on the tip of your finger and just look like a little dot. It's just so small. But what he says here is that when that mustard seed is planted in the ground and when it is fully grown, it grows into a large bush or even some of them grow to trees that are 15 feet tall. And so Jesus is using the illustration here that the kingdom of God is a mustard seed. He record, Matthew records this even in Matthew chapter 13, the same uh, experience, and records these words of Jesus, says, it is the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree. What is Jesus telling us here? Jesus is saying, listen, the kingdom of God starts off small. You remember how small? It started with 12 guys, didn't it? Twelve disciples, twelve uh, men that became apostles, Jesus and, and the twelve disciples, and now it has grown and grown and grown up until where it is now. And so he's laying out for us that the very smallest beginning will grow into a very, very large tree. And then he goes on and continues with another parable uh, to show the same truth in verse 20, and again he said, to what shall I compare the kingdom of God? It is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour until it was all leavened. Now, we understand leaven to be yeast. And we understand, if you study the Bible for any length of time, many times yeast or leaven is representative of sin. And why is it representative of sin? Because it represents sin because, it, because of the spreading action it has, how it permeates and how, how it spreads throughout uh, everything that it touches. Now, Here, Jesus is using leaven in a positive way, so it doesn't necessarily have to represent sin, but the same thing is what he is teaching. He says, when you take the leaven and you put it into the flour, you put it into the dough, and and, and when you put it in there, we know that uh, that yeast rises, it expands, it permeates all of that dough. Some of you right now are going back to a few weeks ago when I started talking about leaven in another message and we talked about the pizza my mom made. You remember that? Oh yeah! Now I'm hungry, I'm ready for lunch. Right? My mom would make pizza dough and I, and I used this before. It would start off with just a little lump, a little a little ball of dough, but it had that yeast in it. She would put it in a bowl and would set it there, and an hour later, that pizza dough was just bursting out of that bowl because the yeast had it expanding and growing, and, and the homemade pizza she made was, was wonderful. Just like that pizza was a good illustration, God is using leaven here as a good illustration. You like that? How's that, right? It's a good illustration here. He's not necessarily talking about sin but then on top of that Jesus is using humor we don't get it but uh, when you look at this it really is a funny statement he's exaggerating here because what you need to understand is that word measure there in the Greek is equivalent to 50 pounds of flour so when he said to the people it is like the woman who has taken leaven and put it in three measures well how much is three measures 150 pounds of flour. Every woman in that place was just smirking and laughing, going, this man has no idea what he's talking about. Because if you had 150 pounds of flour with leaven in it, it would take over the whole room. But Jesus knew what he was talking about. He was making an exaggerated point to explain the kingdom of God. It starts out as a little lump, a little bit of dough, a little bit of dough with leaven. And when it's all said and done and we put it together, it expands and explodes bigger and greater than what we could ever have. So what is Jesus getting to here? What is he telling us? He's telling us that God's kingdom is going to advance greater than what we can ever have ever know it started out small it started out as a small movement in other words let me let me share this so when we start off uh, and we started reading the text you, you may have heard didn't maybe noticed but Jesus said therefore you ever read therefore in the scriptures you know the statement you've heard every preacher in the world tell it to you and whenever you find the word therefore you need to find out what it's there for right And what that means is is that Jesus is now taking this parable, these two parables, and he's connecting it to the event that took place that we looked at last week. So Jesus is addressing the ruler of the synagogue, the people that are there, and he says, therefore, and what does he mean by this? What is he trying to draw out of this? Well, actually what Jesus was doing was he was implying a question. And here's the question that he was implying to the ruler of the synagogue and to the men that were there. Remember, they were angry, they were upset that Jesus healed this woman. Jesus was advancing his ministry, he was advancing the kingdom of God, and these men were irate that he was doing this ministry because it was on the Sabbath. He broke the rules. And so what Jesus is saying here, what he's he's implying is, in my words, do you think That your man-made rules are going to stop the kingdom of God. That's literally what he's saying to them. Remember, the law on the Sabbath to do no work to the extreme that it was, that wasn't God's law. That was man's. God made the Sabbath for man so that man would rest and worship God. But God did not have all the rules and the limitations and all those things put upon man. Man added to that. Man decided to uh, become legalistic in that. And so Jesus was like, your rules don't even count because they're man-made rules. Do you really think that your man-made rules are, are going to stop what I am doing, what the kingdom of God is going to do? In other words, what he was saying, this is my father's plan. I am starting it. My church is going to finish it and nothing can stop it. Do you believe that today? Do you believe that nothing can stop the kingdom of God? We are sitting in a day and age today where we're watching the news and we're watching what's happening and we're watching this world fall apart around us and we wonder sometimes, uh, and I know you do as I do and stuff like that, well, what, what is God even doing? Is God even doing anything? And I'm wanting to tell you and I'm wanting to stress to you what Jesus is telling us here. He's still on his throne. He's still going forward. His plan is still intact and it will not fail. I hope you believe that today. I hope you're trusting in that today. And so what he's saying here very plainly is nothing, nothing is going to stop God's plan, the advancement of his kingdom. And so I thought to myself, I thought, what what could possibly stop God's plan? What could possibly stop God's kingdom? What would be some thoughts that we would have that may stop God's kingdom? And the first thought I had was this. You know what cannot stop God's kingdom? Satan can't stop God's kingdom. Did you know that? Satan has tried from the beginning of time, from the time that he fell. He has lied. He has twisted God's word. He has tempted man. He has distorted the word of God. He has flat out drawn uh, men into sin from the point of his fall. He never stops working. He is in complete control of the system of this world. He has duped man and empowered man with with power to make himself greater than God. He has made man to think that man is smarter than God, and God needs man's help. Can I help you with that? God doesn't need your help. Doesn't need man's help. But there's some good news about that, and we'll see that in a moment. Satan has and will continue to do all that he can to stop God's kingdom in his tracks. He will do everything he can. He is the deceiver. He is the liar. He is the father of lies. His greatest desire is to destroy what God is doing. If you're a child of God today, he cannot have your soul, but he wants to destroy your life. He wants to tear you down every which way. He absolutely can. And he works overtime in doing so and has his legions of demons to help him in doing so. And Satan will continue. But not only does Satan use his demons not only does he try to destroy us in our walk with the Lord and try to destroy God's kingdom but he also empowers man to do it how many of you know that the man that I'm talking about the man of this world the system of this world you know Satan can't stop God's kingdom but neither can man stop God's kingdom you see, this ruler thought he was even helping God out by making all of these laws so that, so that man wouldn't work on the Sabbath and even those were manipulated by Satan and even those were, went against what God's word had said and man has tried and tried and tried every which way to hinder what God is going to do to, to, through Satan's manipulation man has fought against God and his will since the Garden of Eden. Man wants to be his own God. Man wants to make his own rules. Man wants to call his own shots. Or man wants to get away from the rules. But we have a desire inside of us, outside of Jesus Christ, to do our own thing. The wickedness of man has always been against God. And nothing has changed from this day. But I want you to hear me this morning. I want you to hear me when it comes to the kingdom of God. Both Satan and man are powerless to stopping the advancements of God's kingdom. Absolutely powerless to stopping them. All over this world, listen to me now very carefully, all over this world, every single day, through the power of the Holy Spirit and the work of the church, people are turning from the wickedness of this world and from their sin into the saving grace of our Heavenly Father. Every single day. You say, I don't see it myself. You don't have to see it. God is seeing it. Every single day, people are turning it. And being saved and accepting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. We may look at the world. We may look at our circumstances. We may look at what we're going through right now. And we might think, man, maybe God's not doing anything. Maybe nothing is happening. I'm here to tell you, and Jesus is saying this right now, that there is hope. And we need to understand that God is still at work and souls are still being saved. That should encourage us. That should excite us. That should build us up. Because listen, God's kingdom cannot fail. No matter what Satan or man does, no matter how successful they may look at slowing down or even stopping the advancement of God's kingdom, they fail. But you say, Pastor, wait a minute. I understand Satan fails. I understand the man of the world fails. But now you're coming down to us as believers, as followers of Jesus Christ, And we know that we struggle and deal with this thing called sin in our lives, even after we're saved. So are you going to tell me that I can stop the advancement of the kingdom of God? Are you going to tell me that uh, I can do something wrong or I can hold this up? Because certainly it seems to me, it seems to me like like God's kingdom really isn't advancing the way that I want to see it in my life. It seems to me like the kingdom of God really isn't doing what I I think or I, I want to see that it's doing. Do you think I can... I can stop the kingdom of God. Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever felt like, man, one little sin in my life and the wheels have come off? One missed opportunity and that's it? Or or one selfish motive or moment in my life and everything is thwarted? And you think to yourself that you have single-handedly stopped the advancement of, Or have crippled the advancement of God's kingdom. Have you ever thought that to yourself? I've thought that to myself. Can I give you good news? Not even you can stop the advancement of God's kingdom. God has a plan. God has a kingdom. God's kingdom is going forward. And God's kingdom is going to advance and going to happen. And souls will be saved and lives will be changed. With or without us. Now. Don't walk out of here going, whoo-hoo, pastor said it's going to happen without me, baby. I can go do what I want to do, how I want to do, when I want to do. I don't even care anymore. And that's not what I'm saying. Listen to the rest of the story, if you will. You may not stop the advancement of God's kingdom because nothing can stop the advancement of God's kingdom. But you can greatly hinder your participation in it. you can greatly hinder your participation in it. What do I mean by this? Sin always hinders God's work, always. Sins of commission, where we choose to do wrong, where we know what is right, but we do wrong anyways, those sins hinder our relationship with God, those sins hinder the work of God in our life. But you know there's also sins of omission, we don't talk about those very often, do we? Those sins that, that where we should have acted, we didn't, where we should have done and we, we didn't. Those, those sins where we kind of step back. When we have those sins in our lives, the sins of commission, the sins of omission, they can't stop God's kingdom from advancing. However, our sin removes us from the participation that God has called us to. If you don't hear anything else that I say today, I want you to hear this. You were created with a purpose. The world doesn't want you to know that. The world doesn't want you to think that. The world wants you to think you're stardust, that you just exist, that you're just here to to be born and to die and there's really nothing else. Uh, When you go to the graveyard and you see the tombstones that are there, you see the beginning date, you see the end date, you see that little dash in between, the world says that's all that you matter. God says no. God says, I've created you for a purpose. I have a plan. I have a desire for you. As my child, I have a plan for you. You see, God wants us to be involved. No, let me put it this way. God chooses us to be involved. God desires for us to be involved in advancing His kingdom. God is like, I want you to be on my team. How many of you, like me, hated when we picked teams for sports, right? Right? Who wants who? And always get down to the end. No, you're taking him. No, you're taking Right? God says, no, I chose you at the beginning. I chose you first. I wanted you. I want you to be a part of my team. I want you to do the work that I have for you. How many of you, someone who would be important in your life, pick anyone who's important in your life, would come to you and ask you to participate in something they're doing? Wouldn't you just be overjoyed? God invites you. Challenges you as His child to be a part of this. However, listen now very carefully. When we choose not to obey God... When we choose either to commit a sin of commission or a sin of omission and not follow what God has for us and be a part of His plan, we lose out on being used to build His kingdom. Think of a team sport, any any team sport you want to pick, think to yourself, if you choose not to participate in the sport. You're on the team, but you choose not to participate. Or you get out on the field or whatever court or whatever it is, team sport you're playing, and you do your own thing instead of following what the team's going to happen. You know what's going to happen to you? You'll be on the bench, won't you? You'll be out of the game. And what will they do? Will they just quit the game? That's over, can't do it, can't go anymore. No, what will happen? Another player will go in. And when the team wins the game... Well, you will lose out on the joy of knowing that you could have been a part of that, but you weren't because you took yourself out. The point is this, and what Jesus is wanting us to understand here today when he gives these parables, what he is saying is, listen, nothing can stop the plan of God. Nothing can stop what God has and what God wants to do and what God is going to do. But what he says is that if you know me as Lord and Savior, you're a part of that plan. I have a plan for you. I have a purpose for you. I have a design for you. But God will not force you, He will not make you. He says, jump in, participate, or sit out and not participate. But listen very carefully when you live for Christ, when you do your best to avoid sin when you strive to be obedient to God's plan, and when you are empowered by the Holy Spirit, God plugs you in and uses you for the kingdom. That means that when you are plugged in and you are living for Him, that the world sees the way you live and you are advancing the kingdom of God. That when you plugged in and following God and doing what He says, that the words that you say and the way that you speak advances the kingdom of God. That when you come to the house of God and the world sees you coming to the house of God, you advance the kingdom of God. When you pray, you advance the kingdom of God. When you worship, you advance the kingdom of God. When you witness, you advance the kingdom of God. And listen, within that, God says, when you live this way, everything you do will work to advance the kingdom of God. I can't tell you how many people, as followers of Jesus Christ, seasoned veterans, I would call them, people that have been in the church all of their lives, have loved God, have a genuine following, a salvation that, that is genuine in them, have said to me many, many times in my ministry, I can't tell others about Jesus. Why? Because I'm just afraid I'll mess it up. You can't. That's what Jesus is saying. You can't. Live it out. Live it out, because God will use you and will advance His kingdom. What would you do for Christ? What would you do for Christ if you knew you can't fail? I'm telling you, Jesus is telling us right now that we should be on fire for God because we can't fail. We can't. God wants to use us. God wants to empower us. God wants us to be used to advance His kingdom. And if we say no... I'm saved, I've got my fire escape, and I'm just good to coast. Well, God will let you. God will let you. It's not an easy life, though. It's a very fearful life. It's a very worryful life. You wonder what God is doing, where God is. You see, I found in my life that the more I serve God, the more I walk with Him, the more I do what He tells me to do, the more and more I experience Him in my life. The more and more faith is growing in my life. The more I know that He's working, the more I know He is with me. And the times that I walk away from Him and do my own thing are the times where I feel alone, where I worry and fret uh, over the things of this world. And the bottom line is this, God's kingdom, God's kingdom will advance with you or without you. But as a child of God, listen to me very carefully, as a child of God, your heavenly Father Your Heavenly Father has chosen you to use you. Your Heavenly Father has chosen to give you a purpose in this life. That is to participate in advancing His kingdom. And He wants you to enjoy the blessings of doing so. You have a purpose. You're important to His cause because He has made you important. He can do it without you, but instead chooses to include you. Why? Because He wants you to experience His kingdom. He wants you to experience His goodness. He wants you to experience His blessings. He wants you to experience bringing people into the kingdom. So if I can leave you with this today, I just leave you with this simple phrase. Would you fulfill your purpose? Would you fulfill your purpose? Because you can't fail at it. You can't fail at it. God has called you God has chosen you as his child to participate in advancing the kingdom. And God says, listen, man may try to stop you. Satan may try to stop you. You may even try to stop yourself. But listen, you can't fail. You can't fail. Will you stand with me in God's house today? Father God, thank you so much for the truth of your word. God, thank you for being a God that is so in control, so sovereign. Thank you, God, for loving us so much that not only could you do all of this by yourself, but God, you choose to use us. And God, I I pray that that will be something that will be an amazing thought to us that the God of the universe chooses to allow us to be a part of advancing His kingdom. What a blessing. I pray we don't look at it as a as being something that we begrudge, but something that we can be excited about. Bless Lord, I pray these folks give us a great week. Bring us back Sunday to worship you, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful week.